Hi again, this is Shiva Raman from Johns Hopkins University. So why don't we continue our survey of small bowel inflammation on CT and move on to our second major category of disease. And we'll talk a little bit about vascular disorders of the small bowel. Now, I will, ad I will admit, these are entities that you're not likely to see on a daily basis. And even at Hopkins, where I see a lot of weird stuff, sometimes on a daily basis, these are entities that I don't see more than just a few times every year. But nevertheless, I think they're critical to recognize. These are entities that not only do you have to be able to recognize promptly on a CT scan, but you have to understand the significance of and be able to appropriately recommend triage and management. Now, these are, we're going to talk about five different entities, but the one I really want to concentrate on the most is acute mesenteric ischemia. This is something that I've always been a little bit nervous about as an entity. It has such major consequences for the patient, and I'm always worried that I'm going to miss this diagnosis. Now, as you all know, mesenteric ischemia can be associated with four different underlying etiologies, arterial or venous occlusions, complicated small bowel obstructions, and then so-called NOMI, non-occlusive mesenteric ischemia. Now, the vast majority of cases out in the community and in clinical practice are going to result from arterial occlusion, and this is probably about two-thirds of all cases. The most common cause is going to be an embolus to the SMA, and traditionally in the setting of atrial fibrillation, but it really can occur from any one of a number of different causes, a recent MI, an aneurysm, ulcerated aortic plaque, so on and so forth. Now, in most cases, the embolus will lodge in the proximal aspect of the SMA, largely because of the angle of inclination of the SMA. So, in most cases, a large portion of the SMA territory will be involved. But it's not that uncommon for the embolus to break up, smaller emboli to go out to distal branches. So, you can just see small portions of the small bowel involved. You don't have to see the entirety of the SMA distribution involved to suggest that the patient has bowel ischemia. Now, even though most cases are embolic, Every once in a while, you'll see thrombosis of the SMA as a result of hypercoagulability or maybe a patient who has really bad underlying atherosclerotic disease. Now, venous occlusions are much less common, at least out in the community, making up no more than 10% of cases of acute mesenteric ischemia. Now, I will admit, if you're in a major surgical center, it's likely that this number is going to be higher because the more major hepatobiliary surgery you do, and nowadays surgeons are doing jump grafts and weird interposition grafts, you do increase the risk of developing post-surgical SMV thrombosis. But out in the community, the vast majority of cases are in patients who are hypercoagulable. Either they have a known syndrome or they have a syndrome discovered once they're in their hospital. Other causes are, of course, recent surgery, septic thrombophlebitis, and typically patients have an underlying acute GI infection, whether it's appendicitis, diverticulitis, colitis, etc. And these patients tend to have a relatively indolent, less severe, and more subacute presentation, and you'd think that's a good thing, right? The problem is that that actually leads to a delay in presentation, a delay in diagnosis, and unfortunately, these patients have a much greater than expected mortality rate, probably in the order of 40%. Now, non-occlusive mesenteric ischemia accounts for probably about a quarter of all cases, and in my ex own experience at Hopkins, that's about the right number. These patients don't tend to have an embolus, they don't have a thrombosis, but rather, this is low flow, right? Hypotension, diminished blood flow to the small bowel, and it can be from any one of a number of different causes. A massive MI, cardiac failure, cardiac shock, severe hypovolemia. I saw a case recently where the patient had been overdiuresed. Um, and sometimes, especially at Hopkins, we see patients who are on drugs like cocaine, and they end up with diffuse severe vasoconstriction. Now, the mortality rate is actually very high in these patients, somewhere in the order of 70%, and that's more from their underlying disorder rather than the bowel finding per se. 
in general, if you reverse the underlying hypotension, the bowel abnormalities will reverse on their own. But patients tend to do poorly because of their underlying pathology, whether it's the MI, the heart failure, or the renal failure, so on and so forth. Now, the third major category is complicated bowel obstructions, our fourth major category. Now, these are usually not diagnostic dilemmas, right? The patient has a horrible bowel obstruction, and the key is that you recognize that it's not just a run-of-the-mill bowel obstruction that's going to be treated with an NG tube and close observation, but rather that these patients have a complicated obstruction that needs to go to the operating room. And typically, these are closed-loop obstructions, internal hernias, or strangulated bowel obstructions. These patients tend to have acute, severe presentations, and typically patient, we don't miss the fact that the bowel is abnormal, we don't miss the fact that the patient has a bowel obstruction, we just miss the significance. We don't realize that it's a complicated obstruction that needs to be treated differently. Now, when I was being trained, I was kind of under the impression that bowel wall thickening equated to bowel ischemia, right? If you have thickened bowel, we're going to mention five different possibilities as to the cause, we're going to be nonspecific. We're going to say that it's infection. It could be ischemia. It could be inflammation. But we can't say much more than that. That, unfortunately, is a very simplistic and, to be, un to be perfectly frank, very unhelpful way of looking at bowel ischemia. If you look at each of the different four causes of bowel ischemia, each of them has its own associated unique imaging findings. And so you really have to look out for different things depending on what the cause of that bowel ischemia is. So patients with arterial occlusion, in fact, do not have bowel wall thickening. If you're looking for bowel wall thickening as a sign of bowel ischemia and the patient has an arterial occlusion, the odds are that you're going to miss the case. These patients not only do not have bowel wall thickening, in fact, in some cases, as a result of transmural infarction, the bowel wall may actually be paper thin or even imperceptible. The key to this diagnosis is that the bowel wall is diffusely hypoenhancing. So if you compare normal and abnormal loops, the abnormal loops will show abnormally hypointense bowel wall or mucosal enhancement. The bowel should not be dilated. It's only going to dilate if you get a true transmural infarction. And much more. And one thing that makes this difficult is that there's a paucity of any inflammation. The mesentery looks clean. You're not going to see stranding, edema, hemorrhage, or inflammation. Now, venous occlusions, on the other hand, are much more obvious. We don't tend to miss the fact that the bowel is abnormal, what we tend to miss is that we overlook the SMV thrombosis. Venous occlusions tend to show marked small bowel wall thickening, dramatic mucosal hyperemia, and the mesentery looks horrible. There's stranding, hemorrhage, and edema, and it's not uncommon that you get intramural hemorrhage within the wall of the small bowel as well. Now, the bowel is not uncommonly dilated in a venous occlusion, and it can be dilated even without a true transmural infarction. Now, the third category, non-occlusive mesenteric ischemia, has no consistent imaging pattern. It can look like an arterial or a venous occlusion. It's a very tough diagnosis, and in many cases, you're not going to have specific imaging features. The key to this diagnosis is that you actually take the time to look at the patient's medical record as well as the indication for the study. These are not patients who are going to come in off the street, right? These are patients who are in the ICU. They're going to be critically ill. Their history is going to say something like hypotension or code or uh, recent diuresis, something that's going to hint at the correct diagnosis. Now, the fourth category, complicated small bowel obstruction, of course, you're going to be looking for that complicated SBO, closed-loop obstruction, internal hernia. And these bowel ischemia cases arise because you get strangulation of both the arterial and the venous blood supply to those loops of bowel. So it's not 
it's not surprising that you get features of both an arterial and a venous occlusion. Some loops may look like an arterial occlusion ischemia case with hypoenhancement, whereas other loops may more, look more like venous ischemia with marked wall thickening and mucosal hyperemia. So here's one of the better examples of diffuse arterial occlusion mesenteric ischemia that I've seen recently. This patient had a huge SMA embolus. The SMA was completely out proximally. And you can see that the entirety of the small bowel is diffusely non-enhancing. I've seen this actually missed several times, and usually it's because we're so used to seeing what's there rather than what's not there, right? And in this case, it's the absence of wall enhancement that you have to notice, and sometimes we have difficulty noticing the absence of something rather than the presence of pathology. Here's another example. This patient, as you can see, has an embolus within the SMA. Notice how there's a few loops of small bowel in the left upper quadrant, which are still enhancing normally, but there's a huge amount of bowel in the left and central abdomen that's showing very little enhancement. This is clearly arterial occlusion-driven mesenteric ischemia. Here's another example, again, very similar. Notice that there are some normally enhancing bowel loops in the central mid-abdomen, but if you go out laterally, all of that bowel is non-enhancing. This is horrible but clear mesenteric ischemia. Now here's an example where some of these loops out laterally are actually a little bit thickened, a little bit hyper-enhancing, but if you compare those bowel loops with that loop that's pointed out by the long arrow medially, you see that that loop is hypo-enhancing. This is not an easy diagnosis, and sometimes you just have to look very carefully and make constant comparisons between normal and abnormal loops. Now, as I mentioned earlier, most cases of arterial occlusion do not result in bowel wall thickening. And in fact, one common sign that tends to be missed all the time is so-called paper-thin bowel. Patients who end up with transmural infarction of the bowel as a result of an arterial occlusion will often see thinning of the bowel wall as a result of disruption of that autonomic plexus. And as you can see in this case, this patient had diffusely ischemic and, in fact, infarcted bowel. There's no pneumatosis. There's no portal venous gas. There's no bowel wall thickening. But notice how you can't see the bowel wall at all. Normally, you should see a discrete bowel wall that's somewhere between about one to two millimeters in thickness. Now, as I mentioned earlier, venous occlusion tends to be much more obvious. In this case, the SMV thrombus is quite evident. And notice how it's pretty obvious that the bowel is abnormal, right? It's thickened. It's hyperemic. The mesentery looks horrible with lots of edema and stranding. Most of the cases that I've seen missed of venous occlusion have not been that we haven't noticed the bowel problems, but it's because we don't notice that there's a thrombus in the SMV, and these tend to get miscalled as some kind of infection or inflammatory bowel disease. Here's another example illustrating that you can get really dramatic mucosal hyperemia with venous occlusions. This is a patient, again, with an SMV thrombosis, and you can see horrible hyperemia of the entirety of the small bowel along with submucosal edema. Now, as I me I've mentioned in one of my other talks, that SMB thrombosis is very easy to miss, especially when it's short segment, if you're scrolling quickly through the axial slices, it's not that uncommon to miss a very small embolus or a very small thrombus. That's why you have to take the time to look at the SMV in every single case in the coronal plane. And I promise you, if you look at it in the coronal plane, this is not a diagnosis that you're going to miss. Here's an example where all of the bowel in the left hemiabdomen is thickened, it's hyperemic, this patient has significant venous ischemia. Now, complicated small bowel obstructions are typically not a diagnostic dilemma, but you have to be able to recognize that there's not just a run-of-the-mill obstruction, but evidence of either a closed-loop obstruction or an internal hernia. In this case, it's clear that there's a bowel obstruction, but notice, these bowel loops are tethered, they're radiating towards a central point, they just have this very weird morphology, and 
I'm telling you, this is really typical of a closed-loop obstruction. Now, these obstructions, when they result in ischemia, can have features of both arterial and venous occlusion mesenteric ischemia. And in this case, that's very much true, right? If you look at the bowel in the right hemiabdomen, you don't see much in the way of bowel wall enhancement, and that's more typical of arterial occlusion. But that bowel in the left lower abdomen looks very much like a venous occlusion. It's thickened, it's dramatically hyperemic, and you see that there's some mesenteric edema and stranding. So there is evidence of both arterial and venous compromise. Here's another example of a patient who has a closed-loop obstruction. Notice again that the morphology of this bowel obstruction is abnormal. These bowel loops are tethered, they're radiating towards a point, and more important, or just as importantly, none of that bowel is normally enhancing. That is a classic closed-loop obstruction. This is all ischemic bowel. This patient needs to go straight to the operating room. Now, non-occlusive mesenteric ischemia, as I mentioned earlier, unfortunately does not have a consistent imaging appearance. It can look like almost anything. Sometimes it just looks like generally non-specific bowel wall thickening. The key to this diagnosis is not the imaging features per se, but rather the patient's history. These are patients who are critically ill and the patient's history should suggest the right diagnosis. In this case, there's diffuse anisarca, there's ascites, there's multifocal bowel wall thickening, but I can't make a specific diagnosis based on the imaging findings unless I have the patient's history. Now, I will point out that sometimes you can get mesenteric ischemia as a result of a mass, and in these cases, it's traditionally more chronic ischemia, often as a result of venous compromise. These are two examples. The example on the left is chronic mesenteric ischemia as a result of a large mesenteric desmoid. The example on the right is retractile mesenteritis. And in both cases, you can see that these small bowel loops are tethered, they're retracted, they're thickened, they're hyperemic, there's ascites, there's engorgement of the adjacent uh, vasa recta, and in both cases, the SMV is thrombosed. In most of these cases, the bowel wall will look horrible, but it'll look like that over multiple exams. And this is tradition. This is probably just chronic mesenteric venous ischemia secondary to venous and lymphatic obstruction. Now, I will point out that the most specific sign of a transmural bowel infarction or ischemia is pneumatosis and portal venous gas. Pneumatosis is present more often than portal venous gas, and the specificity of these findings for bowel ischemia approaches close to 100%. But I will point out it doesn't reach 100% itself, right? It can be seen in some non-ischemic conditions as well. So it's not that uncommon, and I probably see it several times every year, to visualize pneumatosis or even portal venous gas in the setting of some kind of bowel intervention, like a J-tube or a G-tube, trauma, really bad infection, or really bad inflammation. So here's an example of a patient where you've clearly got to say that they likely have bowel ischemia, right? There's big-time pneumatosis everywhere, and you actually see gas going out into the mesenteric veins. I, to be honest, I haven't seen a case of gas actually extending out into the mesenteric veins that didn't, turned out, that didn't turn out to be mesenteric ischemia. Usually benign causes of pneumatosis don't give you mesenteric venous gas. Here's another example. This time, again, the patient has lots of pneumatosis, but... Notice how there's a J-tube in the left hemiabdomen. Just as importantly, this patient was asymptomatic, they were sitting in their room, they were watching TV, they were eating a meal. So it's not that uncommon to develop pneumatosis in the setting of a recent intervention. And in most cases, these patients are asymptomatic, and you really have to talk to the clinician, rule out mesenteric ischemia by discussing the patient's presentation, getting a lactate level, and really taking into account the patient's signs and symptoms. Now, why don't we stop there, and when we come back, we'll continue our survey of vascular disorders causing small bowel inflammation. So until next time, this is Shiva Raman from Johns Hopkins. Bye.